Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Back, back with Seth Engel of the Daily Collegiate and the Post-Gazette for our weekly Penn State football show brought to you by Voodoo Brewery in State College. Seth, it's the bye week, but you got, you and I are going to keep working. How was the trip to Chicago uh, for the Penn State win against Northwestern this past weekend? It was great. Yeah, I'm, I'm from around there in a, in a little suburb, so I got to go up early and stay late. So I made a little vacation out of it and you know, had a great time covering the game. So happy to be back. Um, happy to be chatting with you again, Adam. Absolutely. Interesting game. Um, Penn State looked pretty tepid, especially in that first half. Even in the second half, I never really felt like they kicked it into gear offensively. But here again, we have another week where the Nittany Lions still managed to score 41 points, still managed to cover, um, as we're going to get into a little bit with the uh, the betters and, and their interest in this game. Um, but, you know, I think there was still some level of concern going into the week about this offense and how it still doesn't look like a lot of people expect, expected it to. And you were on a conference call this morning with Mike Yurcich, the offensive coordinator, where he popped some quotes that, at least in the printed form, really raised my eyebrows. And I'm sure it raised the eyebrows of a lot of people. Um, the money quote that I saw was, was Mike Yurcich saying, it's a big concern with me right now and us as an entire staff referring to the way the receivers and the quarterbacks look out of stink or out of sync, excuse me. Um, and he said, we got to remedy that fast. It's a big issue that we have to clean up. I think he also, um, you know, went on and talked about that a little bit more, Seth. So as someone who was on that call and, and heard Mike Yurcich's voice, what, what did you sense the level of real concern was? Was this some coach speak, you know, for, for the fans um, or, or was there an authentic concern about about where things are through five weeks here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there's always going to be a lack of of satisfaction when it comes to the bye week. There's always, you know, a desire to get better when you're five games through the year. Um, and I think when you look at Penn State's offense and you see the receivers um, and kind of that lack of explosiveness and also the lack of true star power outside of Keandre Lambert Smith, I think it is pretty clear that. You know, that has been a problem. Um, Keandre has been pretty good for the most part, but outside of him with Trey Wallace sideline for the past couple games, um, I, I guess he did play against Iowa, did not play at Northwestern. Um, there really has been a lack of guys stepping up. Um, so that's been that's been something to, you know, kind of kind of look at as a concern when you look ahead to Ohio State, Michigan, um, when you might need those explosive plays to come to life you know, who's it going to be if not Keandre Lambert-Smith? Because I don't know if we've really seen a second guy show that they have, you know, the consistency to be able to do that against those top teams. Who are you more concerned about on, you know, in terms of the connection? Because that those were the terms in which, you know, my understanding is how it was talked about is that, that you know, they're, they're out of sync. It's quarterback and receiver. Are you more concerned with the Drew Aller side or are you more concerned with the receiver side at, at this point in time? And, you know, what, what impression did you get from Mike Yersich in terms of how the team might see that? I think he phrased it as, as it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, he talked about the inexperience 
of both units. You know, it was an inexperience for Drew Aller coming in as a first-year starting quarterback, but there's also inexperience for a lot of the guys in that room. If you look down the line, Keandre Lambert-Smith has never, you know, been a number one receiver until this year. Dante Cephas, who started the past couple games, has never played in a Power 5 conference before. Now he's, you know, plugged into the starting lineup of, you know, a Big Ten team going against Big Ten defenses. Um, you know, some of the other guys as well have not been in, in roles like the ones that they've been placed in right now. Malik McLean's in a new system. Um, he, you know, only had like one snap at Northwestern after, you know, taking, you know, a bunch in those first couple games. Um, Liam Clifford's in a larger role than he's been in before. Um, the list really goes on with the wide receivers as they kind of hone into this new role that they've never been in. Um, and I think that does take time. And I think it's a mix of that. And also the fact that Drew Aller, you know, as efficient as he has been for the most part um, through the early portion of this year, he still only started five games in college. So I think, I think that takes a little bit of time. I'll say I'm probably more concerned with the receiver side. I, th I think that was the big question heading into the se heading into last winter. Even I remember talking after the Rose Bowl on a couple of podcasts mm -hmm. that, hey, you know, what is this receiver group going to look like next year for Drew Aller? Is it going to be able to take advantage of the things that he can do with that arm talent? Um, certainly, I, I don't think Drew Aller has been perfect. I, I think he's he's looked like a, a sophomore, like to your point, starting for the first time. But we've also seen those flashes of throws that make you go, wow. I think there was one this week. I know there was one in the Illinois game across the field that, you know, led me to believe that when it comes down to crunch time and, and when they need a big throw to be made, he's capable of making that big throw. And he's capable of finding the the guy, you know, his guy, if, if someone's open. For me, the there's no one in the receiver group beyond Keandre Lambert-Smith where I've sat there and said, I can see it in this guy. Um, I, I can see it as a, as a consistent thing right now. Maybe some of these guys will be good down the line, maybe as you look toward 2024, but I haven't seen it as these guys are ready to to make the place Penn State's going to need to to compete for a college football playoff spot, to win a Big Ten championship, and and to possibly win a national championship. Um, so that personally, that's kind of where I am. Do do you do you see any faults with that opinion, Seth? No, I think I agree for the most part. I mean, it's it's a lot of it is just figuring itself out. Um, I think it does kind of say something, and maybe. Um, this has to do with the defense more so than the offense, but, you know, in what was a pretty disappointing offensive performance on Saturday at Northwestern, Penn State was still able to put 41 points on the board, um, and which is something that Yersich also repeated today, is that, yes, we have these issues, but we're still playing winning football, um, which is something to remember. Um, you know, things have been bad, but they could surely be a lot worse. Um, and, and his whole point was as we pick up confidence and um, gain more experience, then, you know, these explosive plays and these problems that we've had should be able to work themselves out. So it's only a matter of time before we potentially see that. Um, we'll see if his uh, thoughts come to life. Is there a receiver you're most concerned with right now? Is it is it Dante Cephas, who was highly touted coming in from the transfer portal as, as an experienced guy who, who could be, um, you know, a big boost to this receiving room? And I, I think we've seen him get better. I think we've seen him take steps, but I'm not sure he's at that uh, point of reliability that a lot of people would like to see. Is it Malik McLean, who, um, you know, did some interesting things early and, and hasn't as much since? Who, who are you looking at as the person that you want to see step up the most in um, you know, in this UMass game and then looking forward toward Ohio State in uh, three weeks. 
Yeah, I think Cephas is the obvious choice for a guy that you'd want to see step up um, when he was so highly touted in the offseason. Um, and he was a guy that, you know, was projected to just plug in as a potential number one receiver pretty much when he when he transferred. And that has been far from the case. He's obviously he's getting starter reps the past two weeks, but, you know, he hasn't necessarily played like it. There's been drops. There's been missed reads, missed routes. Um, he just hasn't played to that potential that I think a lot of people were expecting him to. Um, now, aside from him, Malik McLean is is a name that pops up as well as a guy that we saw in the first couple games, and we even said on the podcast, this was a guy that you know could potentially be a big playmaker in this offense that that was lacking, you know, star power and in, in receivers. Um, I think I believe it was one snap at Northwestern. I don't know if that was bumps and bruises or what, but he is just absent right now. Um, and I, I I would like to see you know him potentially get a deeper role, especially once they play UMass and then down the road in the season. Amari Evans is going to be my last name here. Uh, we talked about him in the preseason as, okay, this is a guy competing for that third spot. He's a dark horse. He, I mean, he's barely playing right now. And when he is playing, he's not great. Like we heard so much about his speed and, and his quickness and his ability to, to just get out in open space. And I haven't seen that at all from him. I mean, we see him in practice um, and even pregame warmups. Like he's just, he's just moving slowly. So if that's your number one asset as a speed guy, I have not seen that yet from him. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to potentially seeing that as the season goes along. Yeah, I think we're getting to the point of cautionary tale of trusting in the in the transfer portal too much. Um, there's reasons that their guys are in there. Some are looking to move up. Some, you know, didn't work out with their previous program. I think McLean falls in that, in that territory. Um, and so you're starting to see, hey, you know, these, this is not like a, a cure-all the way a lot of – and I'm not even going to blame fans for this, Seth. This is kind of a, a growing gripe that I have with the way we talk, you know, in the media about college sports is that, you know, every team can be like Deion Sanders at Colorado and just scoop up a bunch of guys if they really want to. And and it, it just comes down to a matter of philosophy. I don't, I think we're seeing that's not true with Penn State. I think we're seeing that's not true, especially at Pitt right now. Um, you know, Pitt fans have seen over the last couple of years, Keaton Slovis, um, Phil Dracovic haven't necessarily worked out a quarterback. So, you know, I, th- I caution people about heaping too many expectations on on the ability of, of transfers to fix any one team's problem in a single offseason. Yeah, I think the transfer portal is good for a number of reasons. Like, I think it's an easy switch. And, and Penn State has been, you know, pretty consistently successful um, at finding some guys. If you remember in 2021, needed big help on the edge. They went out and got Arnold Ebicady, um, who turned into – you know, a, a decent NFL player, and um, he was great that year. He's one of the best edge rushers in college football. Um, you know, we've seen it happen before, and there have been some other guys who have been able to make big impacts. Um, Johnny Dixon is a pretty good example of a guy that they got later or earlier in his career who then later on um, had the potential to now, you know, make a big impact on that defense and, and should hear his name called in the NFL draft, whether it's this year or next. Um, you know, I, I think I think it's a good asset for a lot of teams. But to your point, you know, it's not always going to work out um, for one reason or another. Um, you know, with Cephas, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that, you know, he's never read, you know, a Big Ten playbook before uh, before this year or faced Big Ten competition. And there's maybe some learning curves that come with that. Um, so it's really all about where you come from and and the experiences that you know and 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 what you've seen before and 
you know, I think with Penn State right now, it's a lot of these transfers, um, at least on the offset, at least in the receiving core, are still kind of figuring it out. Yeah, and I I, I want to caution say I don't I don't think that I think it's too soon to say oh these these moves were failures for for Coach James Franklin or anything close to that. I think it's more about an expectations thing of you know can can you really fix everything as quickly as some fans seem to want? And I think we're learning. Um, we're learning that that's not always possible, that not every team is going to be like Colorado um, and, and have the success that they've had with getting a bunch of transfers in there. Um, Seth, before we move on from the offensive concern conversation, I wanted to ask you what role you think field position is playing in our perception of this offense. ton of turnovers against Illinois, ton of turnovers against Iowa, um, some short fields against Northwestern that I think helped them pad – you know, offensive efforts that, you know, they look good on the scoreboard. They look good when you look down the schedule and say, how good is this team? But I'm not sure they reflect the games that were necessarily played either. Um, let's say, let's say those, those touchdowns turn into field goals or, or no drive, you know, no points at all on, on drives. How much do you think that that complimentary football element is, is informing our view of, of how unsettling this should be as we look towards some of those big games coming up in the second half of the schedule? Well, I don't think it's any secret that Penn State has completely, you know, worked its worked itself on the fact that its defense is turning is 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 uh, accumulating turnovers um, and also rotating in players, so people are staying fresh and and the defense is really cower, carrying this team. Um, and I think to your point, like that is what is really driving the offense in a way when you know it's a slower paced offense that has struggled with explosiveness. And they're, you know, getting a free pass, you know, past the 50-yard line, um, which makes their lives a lot easier. Um, you know, I think there is the potential for Penn State to kind of do some things and with a with a longer distance um, and a more difficult, you know, field position to start. But I think Penn State has done pretty well in the red zone. I, th- I think that when they have had the opportunities, they've capitalized and it's really hard to say like, oh, well, what if um, they didn't start right there? What if they stayed farther back? I mean, we'll kind of see what happens when they are put into those situations. But I think for the most part, when they've been in the situations that they've been in, they've done pretty well. Um, and if they've been unable to, to score touchdowns, I think Alex Falcons, um, you know, has, has kind of come alive on the special teams unit. He has three straight weeks now of a field goal of 40 plus. Um, that's pretty impressive. And that was, that was a major question mark after week one. So, you know, I, I think that, I think that the offense, you know, has done some good things. And I think that capitalizing on your opportunities is, you know, pretty much all you can ask for um, at least through five games. Yeah. I'm also curious, Seth, to see where the, where the tight ends fit into this. I think they've done good work in the red zone. I think they've done, they've been big key parts of, of finishing off those drives um, and, and finishing off those, those, you know, getting points off of turnovers and stuff like that. But we haven't quite seen them take the step into being like Mike Gesicki type options in this offense, like uh, Pat Fryermuth options where, you know, the rest of the field, they're threats to, to not just make catches, but make catches and run and, and gain some extra yards and and make those explosive plays that we, we've been talking about now for a couple of weeks. Um, I'll, be, I'll be curious to see what role they play moving forward. Um, Trey Potts is someone I wanted to talk to while we're still on the question of the offense. He's now thrown for a touchdown, run for a touchdown, passed for a touchdown. 
he's looking like a useful player, Seth. But the problem is it's really hard to get on the field when you have Nick Singleton and Katron Allen already in the mix. Um, what do you what sense do you get of what this guy's role can be in terms of like the real offense? Not, you know, when they're in garbage time trying to score a late touchdown to to um, extend the lead from three two touchdowns to three or three touchdowns to four. But, you know, in weighty downs, in in key situations, um, do you think we're going to see him a little bit more as he continues to have success and makes plays? Yeah, Trey Poss, when he's gotten the chance, um, he has truly capitalized. Um, he was phenomenal, you know, at Northwestern. Um, and it's pretty interesting to see a guy like that who is just a clear number three running back, mostly playing in garbage time, sometimes, you know, sprinkling in. Um, and some and some other opportunities, um, you know, in a, in a sense, kind of outplay Singleton and Catron Allen, um, at, at least in terms of um, you know his ability to bounce and and escape defenders. I think that's something that Singleton and Allen have, have pretty have, have really struggled with, um, at least compared to last year. Um, and it's something I think Trey Potts has done really well. Um, you know, he had he had a touchdown at Northwestern. Um, it was it was one that he kind of danced around the defense and um, juked a couple defenders out. That was something I really had not seen from Singleton or Allen this year. Um, and there was something that kind of said, like, OK, well, if he's able to do this, then why would he not see the field? Um, I think a lot of people forget that this was a guy that played good minutes at Minnesota for the past few years, you know, backing up Mo Ibrahim. Like that is his role is to back up the star running back. Um, and he's he's kind of lived off of that, and he he was successful there. Um, and I I see no reason why he shouldn't be successful at Penn State, and why he shouldn't be given you know a potentially increased role. Yeah, I, I don't know if I want to say ten carries a game, especially if if you know it depends on how many offensive snaps you're going to have in the game. But I think you at least want to see him get five, and, and I think you want to see some of those five come, you know, in like I said, the weighty downs, those those significant situations before the game is decided to see what you have in this guy, um, you know, moving forward, and, and and if he can be a help in in competing for the goals Penn State wants to compete for. Um, last thing on the offense, the the betters this week were once again furious with James Franklin. As Bill Perbula, once again, as he did against West Virginia, scoring that late touchdown, figured in the uh, cover ceiling touchdown with a uh, – it looked like a fake kneel or just an attempt to kind of duck, I, I think, below the line a little bit to obscure what he was doing um, and, and throws a touchdown um, with like about two minutes left. The betters – I've seen some very furious betters. Does this, does this matter at all, Seth, or is this just these increasingly sweaty guys – the love to just get the reaction content on, you know, TikTok. Like, Look at this. This is the most ridiculous beat I've ever. Like they're trying to mimic Scott Van Pelt or something on bad beats. It's 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 just it's very cringe and, and sweaty content to me. But I'm curious to hear your opinion. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Anyone that that really cares about that. I mean, the, the West Virginia thing was one was was one incident, and I mean, we talked about that, and I I didn't care about that. And then this one was like, what is the problem? Like, what is the problem? It wasn't a fake kneel. You had receivers who were lined up who were going to go downfield. Like, it was so obvious they were passing the ball. And if you look back on the replay, like, that wasn't a fake kneel. He was just, like, I think he was kind of showing his leg. And I, I don't know exactly what he was doing, but it wasn't – it didn't look like a kneel to me. Um, and it just goes back to the whole West Virginia thing. Like, you can't get mad about potentially running up the score when you have your second strings in 
and you want to give them reps. Like that's, that's the whole thing. Like Bo Prabula, they're trying something new out with him. This is something that, this is a guy that we know Franklin and Yursich potentially want to use in some, in some interesting ways. Um, we have yet to see that this season, but we've heard that that could potentially be a thing. So getting him as many reps as he possibly can to get his feet wet, I think is really important for that quarterback. And also some of those receivers too, um, and running backs like Trey Potts, who aren't playing as much during the game um, and really want to you know, make the most of, of that offensive depth and see if maybe there are some guys who have the ability to step up. Like it's all of those things combined in one. Um, and it's, I think people are just kind of looking for clicks when it, when it, when it comes down to complaining for that. Like, I really don't understand that. And when I saw that post game, I was like, come on. Um, but that, that's kind of my take on it. I don't know if you think differently, but. No, I, I think that was a much more thoughtful answer than, than what I would give, which is just shut up dweebs. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, this has turned into a little bit of a rant for me. I've, I'm, I'm just sick of that. Like, content for every every weekend there's like nine games now that is the worst beat of all time it's there was a, there was a joke i think back in the uh it, it formed around 2007 2008 that it was always the the game of the century of the week um in college football the way the way things would be hyped now it's like the bad beat of the century of of the week every single time um just you, like it's getting into fantasy football territory you can enjoy it. I'm not going to judge you. I don't want to hear about it. Just relax and keep it off social media and, and keep it out of my face. Um, that's where I, that's end rant on that, Seth. Uh, before we get it's into the defense, yeah, that's, yeah it's, that's where I am with this stuff. Uh, before we get into the defense here a little bit, just wanted to thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast and all of our Penn State episodes of the podcast and our post game videos that you can see Seth in after you know during post game on Saturdays. Um, enjoy the world-renowned craft beer and delicious cocktails at Foodie Brewery State College, located, located right off College Avenue at 201 Elmwood Street State College. VBC State College has something exciting going on every day of the week. Join them this fall on Mondays for weekly free play cornhole tournaments or test your knowledge with pub trivia every Tuesday at 6. Wednesday is their game night featuring board games, card games, and the Nintendo Switch. Every Thursday, your boy Dots hosts Bingo, and it's not your Nana's Bingo. Saturday, they have the Nittany Lions and college football on the big screen, and Sunday – they feature the Eagles, the Steelers, or Red Zone on the screen. Um, Seth, I want to talk a little bit about the defense here. Um, I know Manny Diaz spoke later. Defensive coordinator Manny Diaz spoke later than Mike Yersich today. He had some thoughts, too, um, on the way his unit is performing. Um, what was the vibe of that call, and, and how would you gauge his confidence level in his unit after five weeks? I think the confidence is high. I don't see any reason why the confidence shouldn't be high in the defense after five weeks. Um, they have been incredible. I, I think they're beginning to define themselves um, as one of the nation's top defenses. Um, I think that's pretty fair to say um, after, you know, I believe it's been, what, 10 recovered turnovers in the past three weeks, um, nine of them in, in a two-week span. Uh, pretty unbelievable. And, and I think we're starting to see now that pass rush really come together um, with Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac and the nine Dennis Sutton, um, they look really good. And, and, and I think Diaz kind of senses that. And, and his big thing today was that they're, they, they found the soul in their unit and that they're kind of just enjoying it and having fun playing together, um, which is really all you want to hear um, at the bye. You know, if, if by week six, your unit is already – you know, pretty seamless and, and playing well together and enjoying doing it. Like that's, that's pretty great. You know, if you're a defensive coordinator, um, 
I remember, you know, after the Michigan game, and if you if you bring this up to players now, they'll still tell you that the problem in that game when it came to stopping the run wasn't anything on field. It was really about having trust with each other um, and trusting that one guy was going to make the play and, and someone else not really wearing the cape and just working together. Um, so to hear that the team has meshed so well together to this point and that the unit is as strong as it is, I think that that's you know pretty great to hear, especially as you approach Ohio State in a couple of weeks and then eventually Michigan down the road. Seth, if they don't get any more out of this offense and it's you know kind of you can string a couple of solid drives on long fields together per game, maybe get 10 to 14 points that way, maybe you get a couple turnovers and, and you're opportunistic with the short fields like we were talking about earlier in the podcast. Um, is this defense good enough to win games like that? Can, can they carry this offense? in those Ohio State Michigan games, um, some of those cold weather games late in the season that always seem to, you know, you never know which team it's going to be on the schedule that, that kind of creeps up on you. We're going to talk about Maryland a little bit. That might be the team. Um, but do, can they can they carry an offense that has a profile like this if you don't see the offense, you know, suddenly go gangbusters in the second half of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think Ohio State and Michigan, to an extent, are going through the same problems that Penn State's going through, um, where I think they – they all kind of had offenses that were probably expected to be a little better than they've turned out to be, um, especially Michigan with that run game um, and Ohio State as well. I mean, it's just not everything has panned out the way that, that things were expected to. Um, and the defenses have, have really carried all three of those teams. Um, so I do think that it could make a factor. And, and I think that Penn State's defense, you know, like I said before, is maybe one of the best in the country. Um, especially at, at, at forcing turnovers, which is maybe the most important, you know, facet of the game, especially if your offense isn't turning the ball over. Um, so that's that's a pretty dominant trait to have. Um, and I think that once we get into Michigan and Ohio State, um, I think it should make a defense. I mean, I, I think it should make a difference. Um, I, I think it says something, the fact that Penn State allowed, you know, over 400 rushing yards to Michigan last year. Um, and that was probably the main factor in their loss. Um, if now the run game looks to have figured it's the run defense has looked to figure itself out, you know, that's a huge kind of factor in whether Penn state is able to compete once it gets to that game. So, so we'll see what happens, but I mean, yes, I, I do think Penn state's defense is good enough to, you know, shield off some of the best of the best. I want to talk a little bit about West Virginia. They're now four and one. They knock off TCU this past weekend. Um, they're looking pretty pretty solid, Seth. What, what, in terms of how that win's going to hold up at the end of the year, in terms of a resume win, do, do you see West Virginia as a team that could be ranked at the end? And, and you say, hey, they might be better than, than most of these teams Penn State's playing in, in the Big Ten. I don't think that's the perception we had going into the season. But um, you know, certainly other than Maryland, I, I look down the schedule and I don't see a team that I think is better than West Virginia right now, other than you know the Big Two. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, they're getting there. I mean, I, they had five – votes in the past AP poll. Um, they've been much better than I think anyone was expecting. Um, and they didn't necessarily look all that great when Penn State played them in week one. Um, but I remember back to post game and talking to Franklin and he's saying, you know, this is a quarterback, Eric Green, that's that's going to cause people problems. Um, and that that really has come to light. Um, he, he's been very effective for West Virginia. Um, and that's a team, you know, TCU is a, that's a big win. That's a team that went to the national championship last year. 
um, that West Virginia is now knocking off, um, led by Garrett Green's, whatever it was, 88 rushing yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, that's pretty big. And, you know, it's not like West Virginia has the most difficult schedule in the world. So with that being said, they should be able to win a few games um, in a row, at least until it gets to maybe, you know, Oklahoma or something like that, um, where, where it gets a little more difficult. But, you know, I don't think it's out of the question at all to potentially see West Virginia in the top 25 in a couple of weeks, um, which would, you know, absolutely boost Penn State's resume, especially if Iowa now with Cade McNamara out, if, if that turns out to not be so impressive of a win after all. Sorry, I was muted there. Uh, I think there's absolutely that potential um, that they could win eight, maybe nine games, and 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 make that a resume win that that holds up. Um, you know, maybe more than some of these Big Ten teams. The one the one team that's gotten on my radar, Seth. I had them on um, in the playing Indiana was was Maryland. Um, Talia Tagovailoa is is one of the better quarterbacks in this league. I think we've learned sometimes in Big Ten play that that's really all you need to have a pretty solid season. Um, what do you think the odds are that they put a scare in at least a scare into one of Ohio state, Michigan, or Penn state here in the second half of the season? Yeah, I think Ohio state next week is going to be, um, pretty serious in, in, you know, defining whether Maryland is potentially legit this year and could pose a threat for, for Penn state. I, I feel like it is every year where Maryland gets off to a hot start. And then they kind of simmer a little bit and, you know, it's kind of the same old thing every other year, but to this point, this Maryland offense, and we were talking about Talia, you know, a, a few weeks ago, you know, this Maryland offense is, has looked, you know, pretty great, especially in comparison to some of these, you know, top big 10 teams that have struggled on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so we'll see kind of what happens with Ohio state, um, which is a legitimate opponent, as we know, um, and whether Maryland is actually able to, you know, make something happen against them, um, especially considering Ohio State, you know, as it stands, does have one of the nation's top defenses as well. Yeah. I, what do you think of that number, though? I think the last time I saw it was like 18, 18 and a half. I, I think that's a lot of points for Maryland. I don't think I'm going to pick them to win the game against Ohio State this week, but um, that seems like a lot of points given what they've done. What, that was the spread? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's a lot. I mean, it's a, it's hard to say, right? I, I don't know. It's not like Ohio State has been the most, the most, you know, efficient offense in the world. Um, we know Maryland's defense isn't anything incredible. Um, and Ohio State's had a good defense as well. So it's interesting to see how that could potentially match up. But I don't know, 18 does seem like a lot for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll kind of see what happens. Seth, I'll get you out here on this. We teased it at the top of the show. How the heck did Ross the Boss Travis get into Taylor Swift's uh, suite at MetLife Stadium on on Sunday for Chiefs Jets? I know he played for the Chiefs for a hot minute. That was that that was that fun period in time where uh, Penn State basketball had more players in the NFL than it did in the NBA. I believe it was Jordan Norwood and and Ross Travis were in the NFL, and they only had one guy in the NBA. Um, do you think it was just a, a Chiefs connection? You know, somewhere. Do, do you have any more information on that than I do? Yeah, I wanted to reach out to to Ross this morning. I I don't have his number or anything. I was I tried DMing him on Twitter, but because of like the new verification thing, like I need to be Twitter verified to like DM certain people, so I couldn't do that. Um, but I did stalk his Instagram, so we still have that. 
I think that Ross Travis is actually just real good friends with Travis Kelsey from the time that they spent on the Chiefs together um, because they were both in the tight end room. And I, I honestly think that that's really the only reason why he was there. Um, so it was pretty cool to see and, and weird all of a sudden when it's like cameras are on Taylor and then all of a sudden you're like, isn't that Ross Travis, like former Penn State basketball player? Um, so some, some Penn State hoops love there, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was anything more than like, he's just friends with Travis Kelsey, but I'd love to know what Ross is up to. So Ross, if you're watching this, you're probably not, but if you are, you know, let's, let's set up a call. I'd love, I'd love to chat. Yeah. That was a real win for the, uh, sick niche people like you and I, who, who are Penn State basketball followers. Once all the football wraps up at the end, uh, hopefully you and I will get some hoops topic in later on in the year. Uh, but Seth, thanks for stopping by this week. I think it was a great chat befitting of a bye week i think we you know i think we perform we, we we were at the bar this week in terms of of bringing the content um so enjoy the bye enjoy the weekend off um and and i'll talk to you again next week ahead of the umass game sounds good thanks adam take care thank you for checking out this content from post gazette sports if you enjoyed the video please like it and subscribe to our youtube channel check out our apple podcast channel for more podcast content click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the pittsburgh post gazette